Good morning. Today is Wednesday, October 19, 2022. This is a regular meeting of the Building Inspection Commission. I would like to remind everyone to please mute yourself if you're not speaking. The first item on the agenda is roll call. I don't know. Um, President Vito? Here. Vice President Tam? Here. Commissioner Newman? Here. Uh, mute, 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 your, uh, mute the computer. Somebody's got a device on. Okay, I'm sorry. Commissioner Summer? Here. And Commissioner Alexander Toot is excused. And we have a quorum. Apologies for that uh, initial technical difficulty. Okay, and next we have our land acknowledgement. The Building Inspection Commission acknowledges that we are on, on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Okay, thank you. And uh, also for members of the public who are listening in on the public comment call in line, um, the number is 415-655-0001, and the access code is 2480-599-8088. To raise your hand for public comment on a specific agenda item, press star three when prompted by the meeting moderator. So today's meeting is also being held in person and via remote and teleconferencing. So our next item is item two, findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code, section 54953. The commission will discuss and possibly adopt a resolution setting forth findings required under Assembly Bill 361 that would allow the BIC to hold meetings or for commissioners to attend meetings when necessary remotely, according to the modified Brown Act teleconferencing set forth in AB 361. Is there a motion to continue to meet remotely as needed? So moved. And is there a second? Second. Second. And are all commissioners in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Thank you. That motion carries unanimously. Um, next, we have item three, the president's opening remarks. Um, I just want to say good morning to my fellow commissioners. It's been a couple of months since we've met. I hope everybody had a good end of the summer, um, as well as Department of Building Inspection. Uh, Director Reardon and public, I'd like to reserve my remarks for, um, I believe it's item number 10 or 11, where we, number 11, when we t uh, raise questions um, about the next agenda. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, seeing none, we will go to item, uh, actually, uh, uh, item four, Director's Report. Uh, 4A, Director's Update. Good morning, President Beto and members of the Building Inspection Commission. I'm Patrick O'Reardon, Director of uh, the Department of Building Inspection. Uh, I want to start by thanking all of you commissioners who joined us 
uh, uh, either online or, or uh, in person at, our, at the department's all-hands meeting. Staff told me that they appreciated the fact that so many of you attended and were interested in what we do and the gains we're making in our operations. Uh, we do plan another uh, all-hands meeting in about six months and uh, hope you will be able, be able to join us again. Um, next, uh, I'm very happy to uh, announce uh, and introduce you to uh, Alex Koskinen. He is our new Deputy Director of Finance and Administration. Alex. So um, Alex is coming to us from Zuckerberg General Hospital uh, and has a long um, uh, history of public service with DPW, Rec and Park, the Controller's Office, Ethics, and uh, with the State PUC. Um, Alex formally joined us this past Monday, October 17th, and he's already hit the ground running. Um, please join me in welcome, welcoming Alex to DBI. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, today's agenda touches on a number of topics, including the progress we've made on our reform initiatives and a sneak peek at our new website and our transition to SFGov. I'm especially looking forward to the item about the progress we've made on our operational reforms. Change can be hard, but I've been impressed with the way DBI staff have not only embraced these reform measures, but have provided feedback to make them better and stronger. I'm incredibly proud and grateful for the good work they've done and the great things that are yet to come. Uh, with that, we're looking forward to sharing these updates and getting your feedback and uh, your perspective. And um, then I'd like to turn, of course, to uh, um, some good uh, commentary we receive from the public in regards to our staff. Uh, the, first, the first comes from a longtime DBI customer who took time to send a kind recognition of the fine work being done by our plan review services team as they reorganize their work processes to be more efficient and provide better customer service. Here's a bit from the note. You have these great people working so hard for the public, and I just wanted to acknowledge that the department is turning in the right direction and that all the efforts are not going unnoticed. She also said, uh, I'm impressed with the effort of several of your key staff during this time of reorganization of plan review processes, especially uh, Neville Pereira, uh, Richard Tam, Willie Yao, Mark Walls, David Sito, James Lowe, Joseph Chen, Vivian Wang, Tom Fessler, Matthew Armour, and who, Susie Song and Nelson Lau. I feel like I could, I could add many more names to this list, but these people in particular approach their decisions thoughtfully and consistently. Kudos to the plan review staff for your work, and thank you for your hard work. Now I'd like to read a little bit from a note we received about one of our longtime employees, Serena Blackshear. Serena has been with DBI nearly 20 years. She works in inspections. Uh, helping coordinate ins the inspections and guiding customers through the process. Earlier this month, Serena's excellent work was recognized by a customer who sent a note of gratitude, which I will read. I wanted to send an email to acknowledge the incredibly helpful and patient nature of Serena Blackshear. 
I was feeling overwhelmed with an inspection issue uh, our contractor neglected to handle. And she walked me through the entire process to explain my next steps. I could not make my way through the process on my own, and Zarina gave me all the information and links and pointed uh, the, to the items that I needed to complete my project. I'm impressed and grateful. Thank you. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Zarina for your good nature, smart work, commitment, and commitment to our customers. Noted and much appreciated. Thank you, and this concludes my director's report. Thank you, um, Director Reardon. Um, next, we have item 4B, update on major projects. Yes, we're on 4B. It should be showing. Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, the following slides are uh, intended to highlight the volume and valuation of projects costing $5 million or more that are filed, issued, and completed, as well as to profile a few projects that bring especially high value in terms, the, in terms of their contribution to housing and community assets. This presentation will highlight projects from September uh, but materials outlining major projects from August are included in your packet also. So in, um, in September of 2022, five permit applications with an estimated construction valuation of $5 million or more were filed with DBI. These projects are anticipated to add 933 uh, housing units and, and they're collectively valued at $267 million. This includes an application for 50 Main Street, which is planned to have 808 units. 188 of those 808 uh, should be affordable. There was also an application filed for 160 Fremont Street, which is planned to have 85 100% affordable units. And next slide, please. Um, last month, we issued four high-value permits with a collective valuation of more than $64 million. Uh, these projects are not associated with, with new housing units and are primarily industrial buildings. One of these permits was for 2285 Gerald Avenue, which specifies a six-story storage facility with vertical agriculture on the rooftop. Uh, there, all, there was also a renovation permit issued for 828 Brandon Street that uh, specifies a manufacturing use. If I can have the next slide, please. Okay. 
Lastly, DBI finaled six high-value projects. One of these was for 434 Minna Street, which brings online 302 units, new units, uh, 91 of which are below market rate. The other is 1288 Howard Street, which has 129 condo units, 17 of which are affordable. Together, these projects have a construction valuation of about $146 million. Thank you, and I'm available for any questions you may have. I have one question for Director Reardon. How do these um, numbers compare to a year ago and the year prior? And we don't have to respond to that if you don't have the answer off the top of your head, but I think it would be interesting to note pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and like as we're transitioning out of that, what the numbers are looking like for Certainly, uh, President Beto. I don't have those numbers with me right now, but we can definitely get back to you with those numbers. I think that'd be good to track. Yes. Thanks. Um, thank you. Um, next, we have 4C, update on DBI's finances. Hello, commissioners. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm Alex Koskinen, Deputy Director of Administration and Finance, and I have a financial presentation for you. The slides we have are a high-level look at our fiscal year 22 ending positions and your first look at the new fiscal year 23 budget. Can we go to the next slide, please? So. Fiscal year 22 is now closed, and you can see the result uh, on the revenue side was uh, $80.3 million actual revenue received against an $88.5 million budget, and on the expenditure side, uh, $80.7 million versus a $92.1 million budget. Can we go to the next page, please? For fiscal year 22-23, we have an $85.9 million budget on the revenue side, and revenues and expenditures must match in the annual appropriation ordinance. So we also have $85.9 million, $85 million on the expenditure side. The next slide will explain some of the major causes and changes. So on the revenue side, so far this year, we have received $11.6 million in revenue. That's a $1.8 million decrease from the same period last year. Uh, we have received less plan checking um, permanent revenue and less code enforcement revenue. Uh, on, the, on the expenditure side, though, we have some good news. We are spending less than last year, $12 million so far, $2 million less than the same period last year. There were efforts, I'm told, in the last budget cycle to right-size a lot of the work orders with other departments, stop some of the subsidization that has been happening for a period of time. So this year's budget includes reductions in work orders with assessor, city administrator, and we have a two-year budget cycle, so those reductions will continue even further into next year. 
And the total number of permits that we've issued is uh, 5,109, and or that uh, the it's 16% fewer than the same period last year. I believe there are additional details in, in your packets, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. And it's, it's my third day, so I'll try my best, but I also have my colleague here, Junko Laksamana, the finance manager. So thank Do you very much. Do any of my commissioners have questions? I just want to say thank you and welcome. Sorry you had to present on your third day. <laughs> <laughs> Else? I, I have one question. Sure. Uh, you referenced right sizing other departments. On If you could bring up the slide that you were the summary of your financial. Report. Sure. Can you go back to the fiscal year 22 23 slide? Uh, I think it's one down. Summary. The services of other departments, the $20.5 million, uh, that is a roll up of all the services of other departments. And it includes things like uh, city attorney, city administrator, assessor, uh, TTX, um, everybody who we request services from. And so with the assessor and city administrator in particular, those have been quite large in the past. We fund a portion of the permit center and I believe there has been new analysis done to re-examine DBI's share of the permit center, how much we should be paying for it. So we pay city administrator and city administrator pays the bills on the building. Uh, so that's an example of reductions to services of other departments. So when you are able to assess that, <clears throat> is there a way to, for a DBI to get reimbursed or credited that amount that for, for paying more than what sounds like their pro rata share? We can definitely raise that issue with city administrator and real estate division. I think that would be a tough ask, but we can definitely try. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Next item is 4D, update on proposed or recently enacted state or local legislation. Good morning, President Vito and Commissioners. Christine Gisberg, Assistant Director. Uh, I'll start with our uh, local ordinances of the Board of Supervisors. Our six ordinances to update the building code were heard in the Land Use Committee on Monday, uh, and that was uh, moved forward to the full board, and so that will be heard uh, next Tuesday, October 25th, at the full board. Next slide. Uh, so the proposed ordinance amending the planning and building codes to increase fines and penalties for violations of planning and building code provisions, that's going to be heard item seven on this agenda. Uh, that was heard last week at the Code Advisory Committee who recommended approval of adoption um, to the proposed changes of the building code. They did not weigh in on the changes to the planning code. Um, and then you'll be hearing that and considering it later in the agenda. Uh, there are two hearings coming up at the Board of Supervisors in which uh, 
DBI was asked to present. Uh, one is a hearing to review the economic impact in real estate valuations and potential tax loss of vacant office buildings um, in the economic core. This has been assigned to budget and finance, but hasn't yet been um, scheduled. And then uh, there's a hearing on ADUs, accessory dwelling units, under local and state mandated programs and, and how um, the production of those is going. Uh, and that's been assigned to land use committee, but also has not yet been scheduled. Two of the bills we were tracking at the state, uh, both were signed by the governor last month. Uh, one was AB 2234, which uh, requires a local agency to process residential housing permits in a specified time period, um, as well as establish a digital permitting system and develop model applications for reference. Um, and then SB 379 was also signed by the governor that it requires local jurisdictions to implement an automated permitting platform uh, for solar energy system projects. And that's my presentation. Do you have any questions? I have one question about an assembly bill that was passed, I believe, recently. Um, allowing commercial property be, properties to be converted to residential. Has that reached DBI in terms of its impact, or, or have you uh, DBI assessed that in any way? Uh, which, which bill was that? I believe it allows the conversion of commercial office buildings or commercial properties to residential. I, I think so. I, I don't know that much about it, but I've heard that that was passed, and I don't know if that's reached DBI in terms of uh, questions from applicants or potential projects in the city about that? I'm not aware of that, Bill. I'll look it up and, and we can get back to you. Do you want to speak to that, Commissioner Newman? It's more of a zoning thing. It's a by-right zoning that allows you to convert. Um, so it, it, I don't know that it has implications to the building code or to DBI. It's um, really a zoning thing if that's the item you're referring to. I think it is. I don't um, know that much about it. Commission were uh, the Do you want to speak into unit. your mind? Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Carpenters Unit Union signed on to that bill? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the bill. It's a, it's a zoning thing. It's a by right land use. Um, if that's a zoning, is that something that DBI tracks with planning? To we don't necessarily track all the, the zoning bills, no. Okay. I mean, we, we have awareness of them because, you know, ultimately uh, those projects will you know, apply for building permits, but, um, but they wouldn't affect the building code. No, I wasn't looking at affecting the building code. I was just curious to, to know if, if that was having any um, uh, if DBI, DBI was just getting involved with that in terms of preparing like some of the other uh, other uh, state or local uh, issues that are coming up in terms of preparing what might come down the pipeline or the, down the road in terms of applicants or potential oh. interest in that type of project? Uh, yeah, I think that's yet to be seen how that would affect the, our applications. Um, so I don't have an, yeah, I can look into that and, and get back okay. to you on that. Okay, I didn't mean to catch you off guard. I was just, it just, it, it was something that caught my eye when mm -hmm. I, um, I remembered when you were presenting the uh, presentation, so. 
Okay, yeah, thank if you. If I might chime in, uh, President Beto, I'm not aware of any applications for I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't really looking at applications, just interest in that and seeing what that impact would have at DBI if somebody was going to pursue that yeah, locally. No, we can certainly look into it, yes. Okay, thank you. I, I have one question on uh, 2234. I imagine you guys have been following that fairly closely and are preparing to be able to comply with that. Mm -hmm. um, are you at this time ready to meet the requirements um, that are stated under 2234? So we already have uh, EPR, an electronic um, plan review system in place, so we already meet the requirements for the digital permitting system. Uh, the other requirement in the, well, there are a couple of other things. There's also the requirement in the bill that you um, do a review of the submitted application and let the applicant know within a certain number of days. Is it seven, Rob? Do you remember? Depends on the value. I, I forget the number of days we have, but that we need to review an application and then um, and then get back to the applicant on whether or not their application is complete. Um, with our new pre-plan check system, we're already set up to do that because um, with the new pre-plan check, we have the two senior uh, plan reviewers who are looking through an application and then and they'll return it back to the applicant if it's not complete and, and ready for us to review. I mean, that's, that's one of the advantages of the new system. Uh, and then thirdly, the model application that they've asked us to post, that, that's something that we would need to work on. I believe that we have more than a year to to get that up on our website. Thank you. I don't have any further questions. Okay, thank you. Okay, next we have uh, 4E, update on code enforcement. Um, good morning, commissioners. I'm Matthew Green. I'm acting chief building inspector. I'm filling in for deputy director Joe Duffy this morning. And sorry to interrupt you, Matt. We are, and this was going to cover um, 4E and 4F. My apologies. That's correct. <laughs> okay. Um, first slide, please. Okay. Um, in August and September combined, the building and electrical and plumbing divisions conducted over 22,000 inspections. Roughly 90% of those were inspections were conducted within two business days of the date requested by the customer, meeting our target of 90%. In the same months, our housing inspection services conducted 1,608 inspections, with 164 of them being routine inspections of multifamily housing. The building, electrical, and plumbing divisions received 978 complaints and responded to 98% of them within three business days, well exceeding the target of 85%. Additionally, our code enforcement sent 160, uh, sorry, 136 cases to director's hearings. Our housing inspection services received 62 safety and heat complaints and responded to 84% of them within one business day. They received 647 other complaints and responded to over 91% of them within three business days. Housing inspection services also abated 850 cases with a notice of violation and sent 60 cases to director's hearings. Um, thank you. I'm available for any questions you may have. Any, any questions, Commissioner? I don't have any. Do my okay. fellow commissioners have any? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on the director's report items 4A through F? 
Um, seeing none, I will go to item five, general public comment. The BIC will take public comment on matters within the commission's jurisdiction that are not part of this agenda. Is there any general public comment? Hi, my name's uh, Chris Schroeder. I'm, uh, I've been a building inspector longer than uh, Director O'Riordan. I also scored a lot higher on the test. I want to thank uh, Director O'Riordan in his uh, deposition in the Dennis Richards case for stating that I am honest and I treated everybody fairly, which I always have. The reason I'm here is uh, because in a recent Chronicle article uh, that uh, named Jeremiah Cullinan dated September 16, 2002, I was subject to a uh, uh, interview. I was uh, compelled to uh, talk to this guy from uh, Mission Local, Joe Escanuba, or something like that, and uh, um, along with another longtime building inspector. Uh, and uh, I spoke honestly at what went down out there. Um, that was an illegal demo. And I think if you do the uh, permit research uh, on there, you'll see that uh, nothing's left of the building. Director O'Riordan uh, wrote up a notice of violation um, that said all they need to get basically is planning approval. And if I could get an overhead here, that'd be great. Just, just place the item on the overhead. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that, it'll speak for itself there, basically. Uh, um, and then uh, Director O'Riordan uh, wrote the notice of violation. There were also other notices of violation on there. And um, he told me that um, he told uh, Jerry Cullinan, who was the uh, subject of this latest Chronicle article, uh, about the, uh, that this would be a, um, you know, a, a good investment and uh, had notices of violation on it. And the, uh, I reported this to the city attorney, Kesley Stewart, and uh, um, she ignored that. Director O'Riordan also mentioned uh, to me before about uh, when he was transferring out of District 4, he showed me uh, where he burnt the paper job cards, which we had paper records. And that was a spot outside the uh, left of the rear of his garage. And there's a way on the computer that you can find out uh, about these uh, missing, uh, you know, the job cards that were destroyed, the government documents. Also, too, 365 Pacheco. Uh, um, that was Angus's McCarthy's uh, project. Soon as uh, erect, Director O'Riordan was um, uh, 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 seated as permanent director. The notices of violation went away on that. Um, all the depositions are available online. If you look up the Mission Local article, Dennis Richards, I encourage uh, the whole commission and the public to uh, read these depositions. Um, Thank you. Can you conclude your comment, sir? Yeah, I'm winding it up here. Uh, yeah, so and we've had three suicides. Uh, in less than five years, um, the last person called me just hours before he committed suicide. Yes, sir, we have to conclude your comments. Sir. Okay. Thank you. Any uh, remote public comment? 
So, Commissioners, uh, my name is Francisco da Costa, and what I'm bringing before you are some condominiums that were burnt in the Bayview, Ingalls and Oakdale. I made several calls to the building inspection, and uh, only one person said that they are awaiting a report from the fire department. We have to have standards. We already know in the past that there has been rampant corruption. We cannot, for example, tell people or the tenants to go into a unit that has been burnt. If we reach that state of affairs where we don't care for humanity, where we don't adhere to quality of life issues, shame on us. You will not believe it. After five months, there has been no adjudication. There's three condominiums affecting three single black women and their children suffering. Now, the previous caller stated to you all how people even commit suicide when they are ganged upon. We are not a mafia regime. We are not run by cartels. We need to have standards. And I've been monitoring various city departments for 40 years. It's a shame. Why don't we adhere to protocol standards, quality of life issues? Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there any additional public comment? Okay, seeing none, we're going to item six. Um, nomination subcommittee 6A update from the nomination subcommittee. Hello. The nomination subcommittee met in August and discussed the current vacancies on the Board of Examiners and Code Advisory Committees um, and also discussed um, formulating an advertisement to um, try to fill some of those vacancies. Um, we actually did a little work on the advertisement together to try to add some more information and you know, um, hopefully entice people to apply. Um, and th that advertisement was sent out to a number of professional organizations in was it late August, Sonia? Uh, yes. Late August with the original deadline of early October. Uh, we, in early October, uh, extended the deadline to November 4th. So currently the application time is still open. There are four open positions on the Board of Examiners and three on the Code Advisory Committee, or sorry, excuse me, two on the Code Advisory Committee. And we've actually been um, informed since our last meeting that there's a will be a vacancy on the Access Appeals Commission starting in November as well. Um, so that is sort of the update from that subcommittee. Anything to add, Commissioner Tam? Um, no, I think that's good. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Um, the next item then is uh, 6B, uh, review and possible action to make recommendations to the Building Inspection Commission regarding current membership and reappointments to the Board of Examiners. Current um, BOE member seeking reappointment are Sam H. Alkatib, registered electrical engineer, Daniel Caracciolo, licensed plumbing contractor, Ming Xu Chen, registered mechanical engineer, Randy Collins, licensed structural engineer, specializes in site improvements, Manuel Flores, building trades, James Reed, licensed electrical contractor, and Michael Robbins, property owner and licensed architect, civil or structural engineer, and Bradley Sugarman, licensed architect, Armin Wolski, registered fire protection engineer. Terms to expire September 15th, 2025. And uh, uh, the nomination subcommittee members, uh, Commissioner Summer and Tam, uh, reviewed this item and recommended to, um, to appoint the members. And is, um, they, it's their recommendation that, every, that all existing members be reappointed, but is there a motion um, from anyone in the commission for this to go forward? Do any questions or discussion before that? Does everything make sense? Uh, just have all the positions been filled? So, no, the ones that are being reappointed are the numerous positions that are already filled, and there are still four open positions for which we are accepting applications. Okay. Um, so we, I will uh, make a motion to uh, reappoint the existing members as noted by Sonia. Second. Okay, so there is a motion and a second. Is there any public comment on this motion? Um, if not, then I'll do a roll call vote. Um, President Beto? Yes. Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Okay, that motion carries unanimously. So um, next we have, we have uh, one member that is here in person, so we will we'll administer the oath of office, and we have the remaining members that are attending virtually to, um, to be sworn in. Uh, Mr. Caracciolo, if you'd like to come forward. Yeah. Hello, Board of Examiners members. If you can, um, if you could please repeat the oath after me as I read it. And you're welcome to go over here to the microphone. Yes. Thanks. Okay. Okay. So I, um, please state your first and last name. Aye. Aye, Daniel Caracciolo. Aye, Aye Randy Collins. Okay. Do solemnly swear or affirm. Do solemnly swear or affirm. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend, defend the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I would bear true faith and allegiance. That I will bear true faith and allegiance. To the Constitution of the United States. To the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. 
without any without mental any reservation. reservation or purpose of evasion or purpose of or evasion, purpose of evasion. and me. that I will well and faithfully discharge and that and I will I well and faithfully, faithfully discharge, discharge the duties upon which I'm about to enter the duties which I am about to enter and during such time and during, and during such, such time, time as I hold the office as I hold as the, I office, the office of a member of the board of examiners as a member as of the member board of examiners, board of examiners. and um, you can state your seat, if you know it. Licensed plumbing contractor. Licensed architect. Of the city and county of San Francisco. Of the city and county of San Francisco. Okay, congratulations, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Does anyone have a few words you'd like to say? You don't have to, but you're welcome to speak if you want to comment. No comment. <laughs> okay, thank you. Congratulations. Anyone virtually like to say anything? Okay, well, congratulations, everyone. Thank you for serving. Thank you for your service. Do you want to say anything, Commissioner Just thank you to everyone. I appreciate your time and your energy, and um, thank you for renewing your service. <laughs> congratulations. Thank you again thank for your volunteerism. Thank you. Next, we will have um, item seven, uh, discussion and possible action regarding an ordinance, Board of Supervisors, file number 220878, amending the planning and building codes to increase fines and penalties for violations of planning and building code provisions. Clarify that violations affecting more than one unit in a building constitute multiple violations for purposes of assessing penalties adding factors to consider in determining the appropriate amount of civil penalties, establishing penalties for residential units merged, constructed, or divided without required permits or approvals, in addition to other requirements. Uh, good morning, commissioners. My name is Santiago Lerma. I am a legislative aide to Supervisor Hillary Ronan. Um, <clears throat> good morning, and thank you for your service to the city. Um, so this legislation is uh, fairly simple. It's intended to um, hurt bad actors where it hurts um, in their finances. Um, so the ordinance amends both the planning code and the building code. Uh, just briefly for the planning code, what it does is increase um, fees for penalties from a daily max of $250 to a daily max of $1,000. Um, the <clears throat> amendments to the uh, building code are that um, the ordinance will clarify that anyone who provides false information um, is subject to civil penalties from um, a maximum a minimum of $250 to uh, $1,000. Um, <clears> the um, ordinance also um, in, uh, provides for uh, fees up to $250,000 for unpermitted demolitions and uh, $500,000 for um, demolition of historic buildings. Um, and that's it. Is there any questions? How, how were these dollar amounts arrived at? 
So um, there's various provisions of state law about penalties and fines. What we did was um, we try to balance the, um, the amount so that it, um, it did the maximum to hurt the bad actors and to um, make it create a huge, large disincentive to um, to great or to do violations um, without violating any state law for um, penalties. Uh, and I'm sorry, and I just wanted to add one more thing that um, I forgot to mention was that um, and a very important thing is that um, the ordinance also uh, makes a distinction from um, current law is that um, one address is considered one violation. Um, so what this ordinance would do was is to um, um, consider each unit within the address an individual violation. Um, so, for example, we this legislation came about. There's a project on San Bruno Street in the Portola District where um, the developer um, added 20 extra units. Um, currently, they're under violation only for one um, one unit for the the address. So, this ordinance would clarify that each one of those units would be subject to the penalty. Thank you. Any further questions? No. I, I have questions, but um, I guess the, the, we've looked at some of these penalties in the past for other issues, and um, I mean, what is defined as a bad, I mean, the most egregious are pretty obvious, and then if they have a notice of violation, I think those are, but um, how are you defining that, that bad actor in, in simple terms? So um, that all with it remains in the jurisdiction of DBI. Um, this, the, there's still discretion within the department to reduce the penalties depending on whether um, you know there is a, a, a legitimate effort to abate or correct. Um, this ordinance does not remove any of that power from um, internally DBI, so that still will remain assessed through the department. So, so how is that discretion? What are some of those things that you would? Uh, alleviate discretionarily on some of these items. I mean, the 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 increase is so great that taking an action on this without fully understanding uh, who it's affecting and how it's being affected is just my big question. So I can speak to that um, a little bit, President Beto. So we have a. Uh compliance control ordinance that we're currently um, um, has been enacted and we're working uh, in regard to uh, contractors or uh, developers who have three or more serious uh, violations over the past, I believe it's 18 months. Um, and they would kind of fall into the basket of things where we would be you know, looking at uh, enhanced penalties um, and the flip side of that is if somebody is making, they may have a violation, an outstanding violation, but if they're making an effort to achieve compliance, I mean, some things might like sit in planning for several months and they physically can't get that permit and, and, and do the work that will um, lead to compliance. So we, we understand that. So we would al allow a little bit of additional time for folks to be able to achieve compliance in cases like that. So it's about, it's about you know, what 
that actor has done before, and it's also about allowing uh, for, for, for some amount of discretion in regards to the efforts that are being made to achieve compliance. So it's, you know, all of these cases are different, and uh, we look at them based on things such as I'm describing. I guess my question and, and concern about this particular ordinance, and I understand that, you know, that was apart from the, the cost of it, what was the tipping point? And I think that San Bruno is serving as sort of the poster child of everything that, you know, that represents uh, a bad actor in quotations. Um, but I guess the, the thing that I find missing from the presentation um, is that, in simple terms, the increase from two fifty to a thousand dollars is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. uh, the part that we dive really quickly into the gray area is the discretionary part, and I think that's the thing that um, is so difficult about these. Is that I think that needs to be defined more clearly for the public and also the BIC. That when you're applying a dis discretionary review, some of those have to be explicit so somebody understands that is potentially violating that what are what are steps to uh, cure or remedy the situation and perhaps alleviate it so that there's maybe a graded scale you know if you're pursuing uh, a resolution or you know so that it isn't left to the person subjectively to administer what that is and you're metting out based on a subjective um, uh, official at DBI to ascertain that. So there's something a little bit more objective about how they discretionarily, discretionarily review that. Does, that. does that make sense, like my concern about the, the term discretionary? Sure. Um, the, well, so this ordinance doesn't really um, touch on that. These, there's, those guidelines already exist. Um, as Director Reardon said, you know, they do have a rubric, they do have um, they, they have a way to measure what is, um, you know, if somebody's trying to be in compliance, if somebody is totally um, ignoring their obligations, that's something that already currently exists within the discretion um, of the department. So this ordinance would only does not um, amend or modify any of those, uh, the rubric which they use to make their decisions. It only directly applies to the fee. So, for example, um, the San Bruno case, you know, we, we see that this is a really egregious um, violation. Um, the developer has not been really putting any um, good faith effort to um, correct the violations, and, you know, now we're left with this building that we don't know what to do with um, that doesn't have a fire escape. So, um, you know, that would probably be on the, on the higher end. Um, you know, we do have circumstances where, um, you know, as the director stated, there's the, there's a backlog in permitting or there was actually a legitimate mistake um, and there is being an effort to abate and correct. Um, that still, that, that decision would still remain within the department to um, assess the, the fees. Commissioner Newman, you had a question? Um, it goes back to the establishment of the fees. So the fees were originally established in what year? Um, I'm not sure when they were. I think, I mean, I went back and looked. I think it was 2013, and I don't see anything that's changed that dollar amount since 2013. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be good if you could verify that. 
It would, I guess what I'm trying to understand is the point that you're making is that it, the, the, the spread between 250 and 1,000 is so, so wide or so big? No, what I'm, I think it seems very reasonable when you think about a year of violation at $250 for a developer who's maybe, you know, putting together a 90-unit building or even a 25-unit building, it's, you know, it's in the $90,000 range. That hardly seems to be sufficient if, if the violation, if they're not making efforts to um, correct those violations. Yeah, can I um, uh, ask uh, the commission if we can have John Hinchin speak to this a little bit? He's the acting chief of code enforcement and he's sure. very versed in penalties and, and, and uh, such. Uh, good morning, uh, John Hinchin, acting chief, Billy Inspector in code enforcement. Um, my understanding of this ordinance is that it entirely relates to uh, addresses that are referred to the city attorney, where there's potential litigation, uh, there's a set um, system of fees and penalties, um, you know, that the city attorney has jurisdiction over, and this entirely relates to that part. Um, it doesn't affect our existing process where there's a nine times penalty or a two times penalty when a notice of violation is issued, there are fees um, kick in when we have an order of abatement issued on a case. Um, there's monitoring fees. All of that process within the department is not affected by this. And um, maybe the city attorney here might just clarify in case a minute or thank you. <clears throat> yes, uh, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan. Yeah, the, these uh, the changes to the building code are specific to provisions that would be enforced by a city attorney, subject to bringing in enforcement action in the name of the people of the state of California or city and county of San Francisco. Um, so these would be more egregious situations and set the caps, and also lays out the um, considerations that the court would have to take if the city attorney were to bring an action against a property um, to determine the actual amount. But these really set the range uh, so that there is, uh, we would know, the city attorney and the people would know exactly what the potential recovery would be or the egregiousness of the act by counting through the criteria here, the per unit potential basis for um, valuation of, of the civil fines. These are civil fines that have to be brought in civil court. Okay. I guess that's the part that I wasn't clear on. Yeah, so um, to step through the discretion here, you would have the you, you have the um, need to determine a violation, which is, again, within the inspection of the department itself, going through the possible remediations for violations. Um, that is all done administratively and where, this, where the fees are set by the department for those actions. This is where something elevates to needing a litigation resolution, um, and the city attorney would be brought in, and this would be the basis. Yeah, I think that Commissioner Newman makes a good point about the cost of it. I was just more curious about the discretionary portion of it, not knowing that this would actually have to be in the city attorney's purview for this to be applied. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yes, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan. This, these fines, at least as outlined in A1, the new edition, um, 103A, a1. These are these set the limits for when when the city attorneys referred litigation. 
um, or is bringing litigation on behalf of the people. These are not automatic fines or provisions that are set in place the minute an NOV is, is placed on a property. Okay, thank you. Uh, do my fellow commissioners have other questions? So it, it sounds to me like this gives the city more leverage to provide a disincentive for, we're calling them bad actors, to do egregious code violations, specifically related to unpermitted demo and I assume adding illegal units, right, or unapproved units. Uh, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan, I should clarify there there is one there is 103A subsection A that we have here penalties and these are civil penalties these are for um, this is a larger uh, uh, discretion this is covers right now the authority that the city attorney has to bring actions um, and it adds now false information in, in addition to um, disobeying, omitting, neglecting, or refusing to comply or resist or oppose the execution of any provisions of this code. So that, that's more of a larger one, sets the code for um, the more general set of violations. There also is 103A.3.4, which is specific to demolition and provides that other civil penalty provision. But again, civil penalties are, um, th this, would, this would be the cap that the city attorney would bring bring in action um, it also can determine what the what the department would impose on for an administrative fine as well but sticking specifically to the first provision of penalties generally this is outlining essentially the maximum caps that the city attorney can look at when the city attorney is brought in to enforce through civil litigation it, it seems to me um, president Beto like perhaps your concerns are and this is always a concern when you do things like this, who gets brought in, who should not be brought in, right? Who, who, who gets affected by these provisions who, you know, maybe should not be, and that's the discretionary conversation. But as we've said, that's not changing. So we're going to assume that process is, you know, working or at least not being addressed right now. Um, my question is, one, I mean, when we talk about San Bruno Avenue, you know, one of the big arguments or, or, you know, one of the big issues with, for example, that project is there are units that have been added that someone is collecting rent on, for example, and, you know, this has been brought up repeatedly. I'm curious if this, um, I know that we said now different units count separately as, as opposed to one property, which means that depending on how many extra units you've added, you, you would get significantly larger fines. Um, do, is this enough to deter something like San Bruno Avenue? I mean, not, not deter, but at least make it financially not beneficial to do something like that? I don't know if that's too specific of a question. Uh, no, it's a great question, and that was a part of the analysis of uh, where we arrived at this cost, um, just to use that project as an example. Um, currently, it's considered one violation, yeah. right? So they're paying $250 a day collecting rent on uh, 20 extra units. So if we just, you know, assume that uh, those units are being rented for $3,000 a month, you know, you have one or two units covering the entire cost of the, of, of the penalties, and then you're still allowed to profit millions of dollars a year. So this, um, you know, now if you look at it, if you're paying $1,000, a day for 20 units, um, you know, that's going to add up very quickly. Makes sense. Thank you. Um, I have more questions for City Attorney Kapla, if I may. 
So it's clear in the summary here that I'm reviewing is that this is uh, per the building code. It's under the purview of the city attorney as a civil action. Another thing of note or to highlight is the ordinance from section 176.1 eliminates administrative appeals of violations to the director. Can you explain that? I mean, that seems self-explanatory, but could you further elaborate on that? Uh, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan, that's, that's within the planning code, uh, 176.1. Um, I, I think it, it changes the way in which the appeals are, are done, but I'm not as familiar with the planning code changes as the building code changes. So... What does that mean, though? It includes the zoning administrator, and what's the so what's the purview of planning, and then what's the purview of building on this? Then that you would you would so explain the 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 responsibility of planning, and then the building department, and something like this when you're when you're assessing penalties and administering them. Well, uh, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kaplan. <clears throat> The changes to the planning code are a little more comprehensive. Um, it, it's redoing, um, deleting 176.1 and changing it pretty substantially. So I, I wouldn't be able to go into um, with, with much competency all the changes that are happening there. Um, but the planning code provisions are for when planning would bring in enforcement action for violations of the planning code. Um, there are separate violations can be assessed for violations of the planning code or uh, versus the building code. Some properties may have planning violations but not building code violations. Some may have building code, but not planning violations. And some may just have building code violations. The changes to our section or to the uh, building inspection code um, uh, of the San Francisco building um, uh, section 103A is specific to outlining when the city attorney is brought in to bring violations of the building code, um, specifically um, in, a, in addition to the general violations of the building code or 103A1A, we also have the demolition specific provision. But these are outlining solely the civil penalties and really what the what they do is bring this up to the maximum discretion allowed by state law. We have uh, some artificial caps in both the determination of units right now, which arguably in some cases with multiple units, that is an artificial cap to say that uh, um, addition of 100 units would only count as one violation, right? That would seem egregious. Yeah. So this makes it clear the calculation on that side and the cap is up to the maximum amount allowable by state law. Again, in, when the city attorney brings in action, the court makes the ultimate determination as to what the penalties would be subject to those limitations. And as you see at the bottom of uh, page 29 of the packet, lines uh, 16 through 25, continuing on to page 30, they outline the criteria that a court will look at when an action is actually brought before them for violations. Um, and that's, again, where the due process comes in for a violator to say, you've been brought into court. If you've been found to be liable for these violations, the court would take into account all these factors in actually determining the final uh, penalty. Okay. I don't think I have any more questions. I'm just... Uh when we receive some of these ordinances, either from the board or any other um, department, I think I'm just trying to make sure that I understand, one, the ordinance, but two, how it's being carried out, and um, they're not quite as simple or, or, or as short as some of the presentations are, which I appreciate the brevity, but just trying to understand the nuances of these 
Yes, Deputy City Attorney Rob Kepler, I, I believe at least with this ordinance, this is a, a pretty major and substantial changes to the planning code and, that, and the planning commission will consider those changes, but they also necessitate these reciprocal changes to the building code such that we did not have a, um, a planning code that actually was more comprehensive now, but then we still had these limitations in our building code such that if we were to bring an action on behalf of violations of both the planning and building code, we would have these artificially low limits for violations of the building code. It wouldn't be commensurate or reciprocal to what the violations of the planning code would be. All right, so beyond the discussion part of the agenda, what do you need from the commission? Uh, there needs to be a motion on, on the item. A mo motion to, to, rec to recommend, um, recommend or not recommend. I will make a motion to recommend the aforementioned ordinance. Is that adequate? Okay. Thank you. There was a motion. Is there a second? Second it. Okay. So there is a motion and a second to approve uh, file number 220878. I'll do a roll call vote. Um, President Beto? Yes. Um, Vice President Tam? Yes. Commissioner Newman? Yes. And Commissioner Summer? Yes. Um, I'm sorry, and public comment. Uh, my apologies. Is there public comment on this item? Um, there, there is one caller just a moment. Commissioner, my name is Francisco da Costa, and I live on San Bruno. And I've been listening to this Mickey Mouse conversation for a long time. I'd better get a, a group on what y'all are tasked to do. Y'all don't even have a decent digital platform. Y'all rely too much on legacy IT, which is outdated. Where's your checklist? There are about 50 people involved in this corruption linked to San Bruno Avenue. And early on, it should have been demolished, period. That would send a signal to all the nonsense that is happening now. If you go to that building, all sorts of illegal activities are happening in that building. And you all are talking about somehow ratifying something which is wrong, totally wrong. And that goes to my earlier statement that y'all have no ethics, no morals, no standards. But y'all are talking about resolutions and ordinances. We need a strong ordinance that has to be followed, period. Don't make it mouse around a law. The law states clearly, if you break the law, then you'll be punished. And y'all are working on this for over a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. I don't. I keep hearing, and I just kept quiet to see how far y'all will go. Now, some of y'all have resigned or fired. I don't know what's happening with y'all, but I used to attend your meetings with Joe Donoghue a long time ago. If you can wrap up your comments, caller. Yeah, I'm just telling, giving chronologically. 
how long I've been listening to this nonsense and I'm fed up. Thank you. Is there any additional public comment? Okay, seeing none there, um, we did the roll call vote and then the motion um, carried unanimously. Thank you. Okay, um, next we have item eight, uh, update regarding the client services subcommittee. Um, continued from the August 17, 2022 regular meeting. Good morning, President Beto, members of the commission. Neville Pereira, Deputy Director of Permit Services at DBI. So today, if you can have the first slide, please. I'm here to uh, update uh, the commission on our pre-plan check process, um, as well as the site permit uh, process reform that is currently underway between the Department of City Planning and DBI. Next slide. On the first item, pre-plan check, uh, just a general overview. Um, the item in red uh, indicates the change that we made to our existing uh, process. It's a very small change, um, relatively inconsequential as, as far as the public is concerned. However, it has uh, far-reaching ramifications for the department as well as uh, the efficiency by which we do our work um, we added two senior plans examiners into the process in addition to the permit techs that were originally doing the work. And um, what these individuals effectively do is make sure that the, the plans coming in are complete, uh, they're appropriate for the scope of work that's shown on the application. Um, they make sure that um, they review the scope of work for the um, the level of effort that's required for DBI plans examiners on the initial review. This way we have an estimate for that body of, uh, of work that's coming in, um, as well as they make sure that the applicant is aware that, that the process that they're embarking on, um, some customers are unaware of the difference between a site permit process and a full permit process. Um, and also, they 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 aren't sure of the the other agencies that are involved in the review. So, our senior plans examiners make sure that the actual scope of work that's shown on the plans is appropriately reviewed by other agencies. Next slide. <clears throat> the goals of this process was to increase transparency and accountability. That's already been achieved. It was to improve equity um, of plan re of the plan review assignment. What this essentially means is that uh, make sure that plans are taken in order of the order, in the order of that they were received. Whereas before there was no um, there was no insight into this method of assigning work. Um, a, a prime example was that as soon as the plan came in, it was assigned to a plans examiner, and that plans examiner um, may have had a vacation planned, may have had large. Um, large projects ahead of this this um, project coming in and therefore it was un we were not assured that a two plans coming in at the same time would would be reviewed in order this way um, what we're doing is assigning work on a weekly basis to the plans examiners 
and um, making sure that that work essentially gets started that week. It's assigned. And then lastly, we would, uh, the, the goal is to make the process easier and faster uh, for permit review and issuance. Um, we're still gathering statistics about this. Uh, looks like it's working. Anecdotally, we have reduced the backlog. I remember when we started this, this project, the, the last, um, the, the oldest project in the, in, the, in the pipeline was about six months out from when it, when it arrived at uh, DBI. Currently, we're at six weeks instead of six months. So it's pretty impressive where we've gotten to. Um, it, it, will, it should sustain between six and eight weeks or um, maybe dip down be below that. As we all know, we're in a code cycle year. We're going to be adopting a new code in, in January. And what typically happens this time of year, every three years, is there's an um, influx of plans as people try to beat the new code. Next slide, please. So as far as transparency goes, um, it's what we did was uh, essentially unassigned projects when they arrived at DBI so that they're all left with um, without an assignment uh, from the public's per perspective. And so that was a little unnerving for our customers that um, they, they weren't sure that DBI had it on our radar when in fact we actually do. People are used to seeing a name and used to seeing or having someone to contact right away. And so we, we took this away, but what we've replaced it with is a message on our website where we uh, tell people as of that week, what plans or what date of arrival we're, check, we're at so that they can adequately gauge how long it will take for them, them to get assigned. Currently, our uh, last date of assignment uh, showed that we were at September 1st, so it's about six weeks um, away, oh, six weeks into October, um, uh, six weeks after the arrival date in DBI. And so people will effectively say, okay, it's going to be essentially six weeks since I arrived at DVI. So giving them an idea of um, where, they, where they are in the queue. Needless to say, uh, people are still interested in talking to people. So I spend a great deal of my day and my, my uh, manager and plan check still uh, responds to these uh, types of inquiries as to where they are in the queue. Next slide, please. Does anybody have any questions on that item? Or maybe I should just jump into the site permit process. I have one question. President uh, Could you uh, repeat when the date, when you start uh, counting the days, is it time of submittal or the time when it's assigned? Um, it's the time of arrival at the building station. The reason for that is uh, the date of submittal of the, the plans at, at DBI um, effectively shows the date that they paid for fees and it, essentially, it goes to the first stage of review, which is a little bit of administrative work and then also the, plan, uh, the planning department reviews these, these applications first. That stage of the, the development review cycle is, uh, it fluctuates. So two plans coming in that go to planning at the same time may not necessarily come out of planning at the same time. So we effectively gauge um, our dates from the date of arrival at the building station. That sounded complicated, huh? 
No, it doesn't sound complicated, okay. but I'm actually looking at this from an applicant standpoint. I only care about the date that I submitted. That's what I stamp on. That's what is stamped on. That's not what stamped. That's what's logged on. That's what's uh, recorded in our drawings. The cool. date of issuance is typically, you know, coincides with the date that we submit. And we usually, like, you know, if you're record keeping to the day, you're, you're assigning on that, that document on a timeline the day you submit. So, and or the time that you pay your fees. So right. we understand that that the review doesn't start until you pay your money because that's how you you know things work. But it's either one of those two things. So hopefully the day you're submitting is the day you're paying your fees as well. So, but at least the fees would be the time that you have in your head that the clock has started to tick. That you know your set of your plan sets are sitting at either DBI or planning wherever it is, you know, because it's being funneled right now through DBI. Absolutely. In fact, that that leads me right into our next item, which is the, the reforms of the site a permit process, because this jurisdiction chooses to put the building permit application at the head of the entitlement process, which effectively creates this confusion um, and this extended or protracted uh, time of review. So define station for me. When you say station, it starts at the date of the station. So the station is a station at planning or it's a station at building, right? Uh, correct. And there's other stations like DBW, the Department of Public Works, Public Health, uh, all these other stations. Um, with, with the paper plan check process, each station was sequential and you couldn't progress to the next station until the previous station was done. Yes. Very antiquated. We're, we're pushing everybody to an electronic plan review process where as soon as it's out of planning, it, it concurrently gets distributed to all the other departments at the same time. And we've discussed this at length, and I'm only reiterating when you say that it's disconcerting for the applicant and or the community, but that's, you know, the day you pay your fees or submit it. Everybody, I think, you, I think it's understanding the perception of the person who's submitting what date that they're actually tracking from. So saying that it's a station, and, and I'll let you finish your presentation, but that's an important, like, d date to distinguish for it people. It is. Okay. And it, especially as we go into um, this re site permit reform process, or process reform, um, it, it, this program essentially hopes to establish or reestablish the building permit process as a ministerial um, process whereby all the discretionary and entitlement um, goings on happen before the construction permit is applied for. This essentially will may effectuate change in the building code going forward, things like expiration dates, whereby San Francisco protracts its, um, its life of an application, right? It, it, whereas most jurisdictions have a life expectancy of a, about a year for an application process, this jurisdiction has more than that as well as building permit applications and so on, so um, building permit issuance and stuff like that. So um, what we're about to talk about here uh, has far-reaching consequences, mostly for the benefit of the applicant, but also for our internal process. It, um, it essentially bifurcates, if you go to the next slide, please, um, Monique. Yeah, essentially bifurcates the, the planning process. Um, and the entitlement, the discretionary review that happens prior to establishment of the entitlement of the project um, before it goes to actual construction review, the, the construction review of the, of the permit, permitting process, development review process. Next slide. 
this um, effort was initiated by the Department of Building Inspection uh, with strong collaboration from the Department of City Planning and is currently uh, managed by the Permit Center as far as uh, the actual um, management of the project, uh, the process, the, the research we're putting into it, the discussions, um, the, the slow progression towards um, final implementation. Next slide. <clears throat> so the the, uh, the project charter that was set out um, months ago is in the second phase right now. We've already completed our consensus of the project. Both departments and the permit center agrees what the scope of work should be, as well as um, there's been a detailed review of other jurisdictions that are com uh, comparable to San Francisco as far as population, density, and uh, complexity. And so those interviews were conducted with other um, cities and jurisdictions. The best, um, best practices were um, collected and uh, presented to us. And so we have somewhat of a direction of what other jurisdictions and, and how they're doing it and how it, um, how it either agrees with or conflicts with the, our process here at, the, at San Francisco. So, um, the next stage is to um, have a review by, uh, so actually the next stage is to, to, to develop consensus of how we're going to um, change our process to make this happen. And then we're going to come back to the commissions, both the, the, this, this commission as well as the planning commission in order to um, uh, get some sort of a, uh, a blessing on our way forward. There will likely be some legislative changes on this, and we've we weighed, we weighed or identified uh, risks uh, potentially to the project um, that could uh, you know take it down a different path. But um, as we all know, the site permit process is is etched into the code, both on the planning side as well as the building side. And so, as we change it, there's going to have to be legislative changes to, to those codes. So expect that. Um, throughout the, the process here, uh, once we have a sense of direction we're going to go and the changes we're going to have to implement internally, we're going to be keeping the public uh, obviously aware of what's going on so they have an expectation. They have a part of this process as opposed to being faced with it after it's, uh, it's baked. Our target implementation for this program is um, by July of 20, uh, June of 2023, by the next fiscal year. So it's, it's aggressive, there's a lot to change, and we hope to keep you updated. And I'm ready for questions. Is there any public comment on this item? Um, one, one. Caller, you can go ahead. Caller, you're unmuted. Okay. What I want to say is, in this digital world, uh, this is a very, very complicated way 
of addressing a situation more the entitlement portion of it as far as the public is concerned. And what you are encouraging are expediters, that those who have a lot of money can pay a lot of money to the expediters to make things happen. And then, you know, you, you don't need to be a, a rocket scientist. Even as you are aiming to bring in the digital world, you're still talking about ordinances and amendments that have to be changed. And we do not have uh, a sound board of supervisors. There's a lot of corruption with the board of supervisors. There's a lot of corruption at the San Francisco Planning Department. As for the Department of Building Inspection, you know, you can just look at yourselves and, and, and ask yourselves, have you all been moving in the right direction? Now, the gentleman makes a very good presentation. And I worked for the Department of Defense. I also created an infrastructure group, maintenance and technical support group, and a real estate and property management group all with a digital platform. So I know what I'm talking about. We need to make it easy on the applicant more when it comes to entitlements. Nobody can wait for three, four, five years for entitlements in today's world. With materials so expensive and so on and so forth. Thank you very much. Is there any additional public comment? If I'm seeing none, there are any questions, commissioners? I'd like to open this up to my fellow commissioners. Um, I'll just say I'm, this is all sounds really great. Um, thank you for your efforts on this. Um, I, I really look forward to more details and hearing about how this will progress. Thank, thank you. you. Commissioner Tam. Commissioner Newman? Um, I think this is a really big deal. And I think, Deputy Director Neville, you know that I, how big of a deal it is, so I don't have to explain it to you. But um, for up to me, we would probably talk about this all day long. <laughs> or just asking questions about how this process is going to unfold um, when you bifurcate a system that's really confused between a building permit and a planning permit. Um, and when you get past that bifurcation, how does uh, a building permit then uh, is processed? Because right now, a building permit is processed through addendas, which in some cases are a fast track in my mind in other jurisdictions. So um, would, the, would DBI encourage more of a full plan set of permits once it's been entitled to be submitted. And then the things that are sort of negotiated or to review, depending on the project schedule and developers' priorities, would you how would they fast track if they wanted to do that based on getting um, using the addenda system of getting a foundation permit in or a superstructure permit in? So it's, it, it, it unfolds a whole host of good problems for the department to sort of pursue after this and clarify for the public 
what is a building permit because right now that's it's confusing what a building permit is correct um the the bifurcation would actually bring um our process in line with pretty much the rest of the state uh where luckily people have figured it out before long before we're uh before we we've been there um the addenda process which is unique to san francisco can still continue on and it's actually built into the building code it's just called deferred submittals um, the bifurcation as well as um, landing the entitlements ahead of the construction permit the building permit will allow a lot more people to come forward with full sets of plans which is really what we need as plan checkers and engineers and inspectors to work off of because there's coordination that gets done as opposed to this uh, this melee of, um, of addenda where you may not even get the same plans examiner on an addendum further down the line. And so there's a lot of uh, coordination or discoordination um, from the perspective of the design professional as well as um, DBI. So that, so we, I would expect, we would expect a lot more full permits uh, coming in. We would still allow for these early starts where people want to get into the ground with early grading permits, shoring, and foundations, and then everything above that should come in, you know, relatively soon. So deferred submittals are built into the building code, and we will st still continue to allow that. And I think when you are able to negotiate fast-tracking a project, that there's at least a baseline, a better baseline to start from, that you know, here's what a full set of plans looks like or a, for a building permit. And if, and if you, an applicant needs to fast-track that, that's a discussion that, you know, anecdotally, my experience, building department still see, wants to see a pretty high percentage of development across the board, so it's, it's efficient for the plan checking process to occur and it feels like and i haven't processed personally myself in the last a building a permit through the through dbi but from everything i've learned it it just sort of has a lot of embedded inefficiencies you have applicants because of the timelines that they're anticipating to wait for a building permit will submit very early on before their design or their plan sets are fully developed. So you're looking at something and and they're just looking at that process because they're looking to be queued up. And and while they're, you know, looking at developing their plan set. So if that happens to arrive at a station sooner, they're really not looking at something that's fully developed. And by that point, hopefully the applicant has resubmitted something that is, but it, it's just uh, I think that this presentation of yours is such a big deal um, to the process for DBI and also the planning department, but also in terms of um, some of the things that are really highlighted. Like, if we're going to talk about news, this is big news, um, just because the state is looking at how the city of San Francisco is streamlining their permits, how quickly they're getting their housing built. So this allows developers and applicants to get their shovels in the ground a lot sooner, or, or at least with some level of expectant, uh, expectancy on their schedule, 
Um, so I think this is really, I mean, this is, this is a huge, huge deal in my mind. Your, your uh, comments are com uh, uh, right on point, uh, President Vito. Uh, we expect all sorts of efficiencies, not only uh, administrative, right, because currently with the process, we're duplicating our administrative processes in planning and in building. Um, all the way through the, the coordination that we have within a single plans examiner, and also that, that truncation of the entire process, a more expectant um, uh, per perception of how, how quickly we can turn this around. There's definitely more accountability on our part at, at, at DBI uh, to make sure that we keep on, on track. But as I was telling my staff actually just yesterday, our response, part of our responsibility as building officials are to make sure that the project gets underway and get com gets completed in as short a time as pro uh, as as possible, to um, to eliminate these uh, these disconnections in the in the design process as well as you know materials getting old in the field and, and that kind of stuff. You it should it should actually honestly lower the cost of construction in San Francisco overall. But don't quote me on that. We won't coach you on that, but I think that uh, it's apparent that my bias t uh, and focus on the permitting is so um, is so focused as as a commissioner and as a president. I mean, I think that because it also feels like this component at DBI needs the most work. And you know, when you look at um, the inspection uh, changes that have been made at DBI, it feels like based on all the numbers we're hearing, those that has had some level of it's leveled off to some predictability, I feel like, based on the reports that we've been given by um, the deputy director of inspection. But this is like one area that that just, if this with inspection and would sort of meet the same level of status quo, I think that would be fundamentally a huge change, you know, where what we've been hearing from uh, inspection is a certain level of um, exceedance on their target. 85% is their target. They've exceeded that multiple times at these presentations. And I think to hear that you have reduced a six-month backlog to six weeks is really, really uh, laudable to the permitting services. So um, thank you for the presentation. I mean, I could talk on for another hour about this, but I won't. But um, this is really, really good news, and I appreciate the presentation. Thank you. Director O'Riordan, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, I just want to applaud the work, good work that Neville is doing and his staff, and it is a really, really big deal. So I agree with that. Yeah, it's too bad that the news is, doesn't uh, write about this kind of stuff because unfortunately it's not you know exciting enough. But this is like very exciting news. So thank you very much. Thank you. Sorry, President Beto, we did co public comment, but it, there seems to be somebody with their hand raised. Did you want to accept them or not? Oh, excuse There's me. There's someone with a hand raised, but we, even though we did public comment already. Oh sure. Okay. Okay, caller, you're unmuted. Are, are you wanting to speak on agenda item eight? Hello, caller? Okay, okay, thank you. If you could try to reach back out to us if you'd like to speak. Okay, um, we're going to go on to agenda item nine, update on the department's reforms initiatives. 
continue from the August 17, 2022 regular meeting. Uh, good morning, Pre uh, President Beto, Vice President Tam, Commissioners, uh, Sonia, Monique. Uh, my name is Chris Vergara. I'm the Compliance Manager for DBI. Today I'm going to give an update on the reforms. Uh, it's been a while since we did an update on the reforms, so there's a lot of material to cover, but I'll try not to take up a lot of the Commission's time. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, no, this slide, actually. Back one slide. Sorry. So today we're going to go over the reforms initiative, the areas of reform. I'm sorry. Uh, the controller's uh, recommendations, progress on reforms, next steps. Uh, next slide, please. So uh, as you know, uh, DBI's uh, mission is to ensure life and property within the city are safeguarded by verifying that the buildings and structures are developed and maintained in adherence with all the applicable codes and regulations. So uh, to further the public's confidence in the department's management, operations, and oversight, staff has identified several initiatives to improve our processes, develop our staff, and enhance transparency in the public. And these reforms were initiated back in May 2021. So next slide. Uh, so the areas of the reform would impact every division within DBI, including management, administration, which is inclusive of HR, uh, records management, MIS, inspections, uh, building electrical, plumbing, housing, and code enforcement, as well as permit services. Uh, next slide. So as you know, uh, the controller's office did a public integrity report a year ago, and they uh, had a a number of recommendations which sort of overlapped with the initiatives that we were already doing. Uh, just to recap what the controller's recommendations are, we're just going to go over them really quickly. There's eight of them, and uh, we intend to fully implement all these recommendations, and we've uh, already made progress in a lot of them. So ethical tone, uh, DBI should be working with the commission to ensure it sets a good ethical tone at the top and reiterates the importance of compliance with ethics, laws, and rules. Uh, the whistleblower program, uh, Basically, the controls officers wanted us to remind employees of the availability of the whistleblower program to report allegations of deficiencies in the quality and delivery of government services, wasteful and inefficient uh, government practices, misuse of city funds, or prop improper activities in city government officers or employees. Uh, the compliance program. Uh, they wanted us to create a compliance program independent of the other divisions within the department and resource with newly selected and specialized staff and outside auditors and consultants to help identify risks and combat fraud and abuse in permitting and inspection activities through the training and enforcement. Uh, in regards to the permit tracking system, they wanted us to ensure that the PTS system has complete and accurate data and has adequate controls to deter unauthorized modification of PTS records that conceal wrongdoings by DBI employees. Um, uh, number five, supervisory quality assurance reviews. The controls office said we need to require supervisory quality assurance reviews of senior plan reviewers and senior inspectors' work, as well as permits and inspections for projects that may warrant additional reviews, such as those of, that are larger and more complex. Uh, number six, internal certifications. They wanted us to consider whether the plan reviewers and inspectors should be required to certify biannually uh, that they comply with the city's conflict of interest rules, the statements, the department's statement of incompatible activities, department's code of conduct, and to remind the city's ethics rules and help prevent future conflicts of interest. 
fees and penalties, as we discussed earlier. They wanted us to review the fees and penalties of the department is authorized to levy for non-compliant construction documented by a notice of violations to determine whether they are severe enough to effectively deter misconduct. In if the department determines the fees and penalties are insufficient, uh, we, we would recommend to the building, uh, the commission that they be increased with within the legal constraints. And lastly, public outreach and education. They wanted us to conduct more outreach to educate the public of the city's permit and inspection process. For example, a checklist for permit sponsors listing the required types and order of inspections needed to construct or renovate a residential structure uh, that could be beneficial. Uh, next slide. So let, we're gonna uh, go by these one by one and I'll talk about our progress. So in terms of ethical tone, uh, DBI has taken a, a number of active steps in fulfilling our goals to be more transparent and accountable as evidenced by increased number of quality control and oversight measures that have been implemented and ongoing updates to our operating procedures, which I'll go uh, more in detail later in the presentation. In addition, the department's website will update uh, the department's website update will increase transparency and accessibility. And I've had a number of conversations and discussions with the division leads within the department and I could say there is a genuine commitment in my impression for accountability, transparency, and change. Change for a good ethical tone from the top down. So uh, next slide. So let's talk about the compliance program. So it's a one-man show right now. Uh, it started with the hiring of myself. Uh, I started back in June 13th. Uh, I, right now, I was trying to get my feet wet, complete the requisite trainings, familiar myself with uh, internal operations with, within the DBI's respective divisions. I've been debriefed on the issues of the past, and I'm currently assigned to serve as the department's whistleblower liaison, oversee the ongoing internal audit implement DBI's reform initiatives, as well as review and update the office policy and procedures. Uh, we will uh, work towards creating a full compliance program, resource with specialized staff as the controllers recommend, uh, recommended to help identify the risk and com combat potential fraud and abuse in permitting and inspections. So uh, next slide. So uh, the compliance program. Uh, so there, there's five uh, subcategories within the compliance program that the controls offices want us to uh, meet. Basically, I'll go over them individually. First is the annual risk assessment. Uh, we do intend to uh, perform an annual risk assessment of each DBI division and have tools in place to mit mitigate these uh, identified risks. Uh, DBI managers and senior staff will work with me in the upcoming months to discuss strategies to integrate the process into operations. So basically, I'm going to have to identify what the risks are, uh, what systems we have in place to track and monitor these risks, what checks and controls we have in place to mitigate those risks, and what kind of systems we have in place that we could generate some annual reporting on this uh, so I can track the data metrics in each each risk potential. Uh, monthly inspection reviews. So I've been meeting regularly with Joe Duffy, uh, the chief uh, of uh, the inspection division, and uh, we've had uh, ongoing discussions regarding updating our OPPs, the office policies and procedures, to implement uh, monthly reviews of same-day inspection schedules, out-of-district inspections, the urgency of inspections and the validity of these inspection approvals. So we also drafted a, a OPP on the inspection assignment procedures that is currently under review. 
all the uh, uh, inspection divisions have been informed that out-of-district inspections are not permitted without prior authorization and assignment by a senior inspector. Senior inspectors would review inspectors' daily activities for any errors on inspection documentation and for any unauthorized out-of-district inspections. Additionally, chief inspectors for the building electrical and plumbing review inspection activity and senior inspection approvals. Uh, the inspection divisions will work with me to set up a standardized system of documentation and reporting to facilitate monthly reviews of these inspection schedules and out-of-district inspections. Uh, in regards to the permit application deviations, uh, DBI intends to identify any instances of permit applications deviating from the established procedures. Neville's team has been doing a great job implementing a lot of new things. Uh, they were first compiling the requisite documentation to conduct an analysis of the current application auditing. As uh, has been spoken before, in July, they uh, launched the pre-plan review process to ensure the project documentation, the plans, calculations, and reports uh, meet minimum requirements and are complete. In August, managers began using more tools and data, like the work in progress report, to hold staff accountable for work assigned to them and reduce the ability for customers to attempt to influence their plan checker because the plans are not assigned until the week of review. The statistical reporting that is generated will allow for more transparency into the process whereby customers will be able to see that projects are not being reviewed out of turn unless they are assigned to a, a legislative priorities such as affordable housing, accessory dwelling units, et cetera. Uh, Neville's also by December, let me know if I got these dates wrong, Neville. Uh, all rechecks shall be submitted to a permit unless they are assigned, oh, the permit coordination unit instead of directly to individual plan checkers or blue, blue beam sessions to control the number of resubmittals and monitor the time allocated for those rejects. And then I think by within the first uh, uh, quarter of the 2023, the pre-plan review process will be extended to the over-counter reviews to ensure the quality and completeness of plans for this workflow. Um, Training. Uh, in terms of training, DBI intends to ensure consistent training and guidance on permit plan reviews and inspections by preparing and implementing annual training plans that cover all employees involved in these functions. Per uh, permitting is already uh, currently establishing plan review checklists, as mentioned, to be used uh, by public screeners and plan checkers. They've already published minimal plan submittal requirements to facilitate the success of in-house review submittals. Uh, and DBI is also in the process of publishing examples of plan sheets with expected information to inform the public of the minimum requirement for plans. In March 22, as I said, plan review service will, uh, in March 2022, plan review service already began weekly senior staff in all staff meetings to ensure planning, communications, training, implementation of workflows, policies, and procedures were consistently rolled out to staff. Uh, these have been documented in weekly meeting minutes. Uh, Senior staff will be required to take supervisory and management training to learn about setting expectations and accountability for staff, in addition to using statistical reports to measure performance. Uh, the 24-plus supervisory training shall be made mandatory for all supervisors and managers. Uh, the deputy director overseeing uh, permit services will conduct biweekly one-on-one meetings with each of his direct reports and quarterly one-on-one -on -one meetings with senior staff. Uh, and I think that's already begun. Similarly, with uh, DBI's inspection divisions, uh, they utilize their biweekly uh, staff meetings to remind and train staff on current and new processes, review various inspection-related issues that arise, and reinforce policies such as rules regarding out-of-district inspections, proper documentation, and inspection history. The agendas are saved during these meetings, and we will start tracking the attendance to assure staff are updated. 
Uh, furthermore, we intend to update all inspection manuals, which we expect to be complete by the end of the year. BID also increased the orientation period uh, for new inspectors from four to six weeks. In September 2022, uh, senior inspectors will begin or have begun uh, conducting ride-along inspections with inspectors they supervise, and a schedule and record of the ride-along inspections will be kept by the senior inspectors. Uh, lastly, quality control codes have been added to the inspection codes in ISS. Uh, lastly, to wrap up the compliance portion, uh, testing and adherence. So staff are assigned training modules and uh, on ethics and conflicts of interest. Staff must read the code of conduct and sign the SIA uh, forms as well as the Form 700, the disclosure every year and attend ethics meetings. Uh, HR is tracking and retaining these biannual acknowledgement forms to comply with DBI CIA, the code of professional conduct and all the various policies. Um, DBI Human Resources will also perform routine reviews to ensure compliance with various policies, including but not limited to annual spot, spot checks of staff to assure completion of the biannual acknowledgement forms. Uh, additionally, DBI Human Resources will do re, uh, routine checks on uh, DHR investigations to verify if requisite follow-up was performed to resolve the issue as well as determine if corrective action was effective. Uh, we, I'll work with uh, HR to include in the annual risk assessment uh, data regarding completion of the biannual uh, certification forms, Form 700s, as well as advice of the results of any follow-up or past investigations for corrective action. Uh, next slide, please. PTS, uh, permit tracking system, which... <coughs> okay, uh, so inspections complete and recorded. So. DBI already requires that all inspections are complete and recorded in PTS before final sign-off is completed. A BID requires that senior inspector, inspectors review every certificate of final completion for accuracy before issuance. Inspectors are also required to include a record of inspection history with completed uh, CFC. The inspection history will be stored in the BID file folder file folder. Uh, senior inspectors will conduct spot checks of the inspection history for completeness and document their findings accordingly. This will help eliminate the issue of having permits signed off on as complete without the required number of inspections performed and logged in the system. Uh, uh, part B, electric lock inspection. This is, I think this is a big plus for compliance. It's basically uh, MIS is currently, is, is, has developed an electronic lock inspection, a PTS function that will electronically lock records 48 hours after initial entry so they cannot be edited. Uh, so the system will work by locking the inspection two days after uh, the inspector logs something in PTS. And then, and, and then as, as of nine, uh, September 2nd, the, it's been implemented for the building and plumbing divisions and then we intend to roll it out for the other divisions soon. Uh, additionally, before final permit sign-off, a system logic will verify that all prerequisite inspections were completed and entered into the system. Uh, the final inspection can only be logged after the system confirms and all inspections are done and recorded in BTS. I think this is important because uh, we're only as good as our data and uh, we need to protect the integrity of our data. So this 48-hour lock will prevent a misuse of the system to change data retroactively. Uh, but we do have to balance that with the need to make edits when there are errors. Suppose like there's a transposition error in date, then it's a minor issue. We won't give staff unfettered discretion to make that change. They would have to go through a process through MIS to get document their request to change that entry. 
uh, and get a proper approval from a senior, and then we'll have a date stamp on when that change was made. So we could have an audit log of when any changes were made to the system. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> Supervisor quality assurance reviews. Uh, I think I went over a lot of these, but just rapid fire on uh, inspections and permitting. Inspection assignments, senior inspectors can't assign themselves inspections unless there's a justification, such as staff shortages or complex project that the chief has requested a senior to conduct inspections. Uh, daily ins inspection activity review. Again, chief inspectors review daily inspections for inspectors and senior inspectors in their inspection division. NOV and CFC review. The chief inspector reviews all NOVs and CFCs issued for BID. The chief review will check for document accuracy and NOV inclusion in the compliance control file. Uh, senior staff weekly meetings. Weekly meetings are held between chiefs and seniors to discuss ongoing issues. Uh, supervisory staff reviews and pro productivity trackers. Guidelines for supervisors and staff to review minimum percentage of each staff's work product as well as tracking system to monitor productivity on a weekly basis uh, is validated by their supervisors. Plan re review checklist, re plan review checklist to be used by public screeners and plan checkers to ensure consistency. Um, let me just... Sorry. Uh, the permanent staff counter, DBI plans to have a permanent staff at the counter instead of four-hour shifts to be able to build consistency and also audit which plan checker reviews which applicant project. Recheck guidelines, guidelines for some resubmittal of all rechecks through the permit coordinate, coordination division so that all rechecks have priority review and are also counted in the plan review backlog. And lastly, project size criteria, detailed criteria to qualify small, medium, and large projects. Uh, these categories will be equitably distributed for plan review instead of the possibility that they will be backed up by, behind large projects. Uh, next slide, and we're approaching the end. Hopefully it's not too long. Uh, public outreach and education. We've continued to update our website to provide more information to the public in order to educate the public on our permit and inspection processes. We have developed various customer checklists and provided clear guidelines on processes and requirements. Uh, next slide. Other complete reforms. Appointed a new senior uh, building inspector to code enforcement. I think you've met earlier John Hinchion, if he's here. Uh, standardized interview hiring onboarding processes. Established a standard posting of uh, recruitment for a minimum of two weeks. And implemented regular reminders to staff regarding the various policies that I've mentioned earlier, such as the whistleblower program, SIA, code of professional conduct, and so on and so forth. Uh, Next slide, and this should be the last slide. So progress and reforms, what we have underway, additional staff training on customer service, accountability and management, expanded mentorship programs and hiring outreach, implement staff training around racial equity and organizational cultural initiatives, secure share implementation for records management, cybersecurity assessment training for MIS managers, modernization of PTS, and enhanced orientation program for inspections and updated policy and procedure manuals. Uh, next slide. So next steps, we'll regularly monitor progress on reforms through the compliance program and executive team, and hopefully report out quarterly to the commission on progress. And that's all I have. Yeah, I do. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm open to any questions. Um, is there any public comment on this item first? Okay, just a minute. Okay, caller. So, the mission is 
I don't know how to start this. I served three generals, okay? And I have a lot of experience with presentations. This presentation is so convoluted, it really confuses the public. There's an acronym called KISS, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Follow that. The controller's office may give you all the recommendations, but the controller's office has failed us. I know this for a fact. Let us take all that happened with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. If you can follow the money, as the FBI does, then you can bring about some changes. So my advice to you commissioners and to the gentleman who gave the presentation is, good leaders know the way, show the way, and go the way. So if you really understand the issues that you have before you, which are very convoluted. There have been two presentations. One of you want to do something, and we can only find this out within three or six months by having a general meeting with the public. Don't mention the public. Don't mention the public. No public understands what you said. It's too convoluted. You have to have at least 20 or 30 years of experience in vertical and horizontal building, engineering, maintenance, supervision, quality control to understand what you said. It's diatribe or hot air that you spewed, and you can spew it to the commissioners because they seem to be understanding you because nobody asked, nobody asked a question. But as to the public, leave them out. It's too convoluted what you said, brother. Learn to give a good presentation. And as to the controller's office, in my opinion, they get a half minus. With the whistleblowers program, they are not going to do anything. You go to them and they take your information and give it to the city attorney. They are not going to do anything. The whistleblowers a program with the controllers has zero results because there is no initiative thank to give the information. Thank you for your comment, caller. Your, your time is up. Thank you. Are there any, any other callers? Okay, near commissioner discussion. Um, I don't have any questions. I do have a comment, though, because I feel like we got a whole uh, debrief on the reform initiatives, which was uh, impressive, but it felt like we were drinking from a fire hose. Oh. <laughs> um, but impressive nonetheless. Um, what I would like to propose, because so much of what are in, what's included in your presentation and in the reforms from uh, the controller's office um, I feel like we could do this on a monthly basis, but just focus on specific pieces, especially when it's tied to other things like permitting, um, some of the operational things that DBI reports on to the BIC. So um, I'd rather have these in smaller bites than a quarterly debrief yeah, like this, if that's okay. 
Yeah, certainly we can break it into smaller parts. <laughs> so. I, I applaud the DBI and, and yourself. I know you're new, so this is really impressive, but I think like uh, we like the presentation and the deck. I personally do because it helps me visualize the information, but you know, after the presentation, it's nice that it, it, it would it be, I would prefer to have something much more conversational so we can discuss what's been presented and also have a chance while you're presenting it to digest it. So that's what I would propose on a monthly basis. Yeah, we definitely do that. That'd make it easier on me to focus on one segment at a time. Uh, mm -hmm. um, do my other, other commissioners have any other comments to that? I just wanted to acknowledge the challenge that you're facing, I mean, a variety of challenges, but, but the challenge to be transparent and comprehensive in filling everybody in on what's happening versus, you know, doing something more digestible that, that, that we can sort of comment on. So I just wanted to acknowledge that and appreciate your, um, your presentation, but I would I agree going forward, maybe we could yeah, try to talk about it more regularly and do smaller pieces in, in a way that we could talk about more easily. Yeah, and I think that after monthly discussions on a quarterly basis, you could have, you know, summarily what we've, what, what you've been working, what DBI's been working on, like in Q1, Q2, Q3, that would be where you could, you could actually have that summary, like you have in some cases, hopefully shorter, yeah. but th that would be something we would at least be walking with you in parallel so we would see how things are progressing. So when we get to the summary and also the public, they can see how it all sort of comes together at the quarterly. That makes sense. I'll definitely work on that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're on to um, item 10, update on the Department of Building Inspection website transition to sf.gov. Hello, commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to speak today. My name is Patrick Hannon. I'm the communications director for the Department of Building Inspection. Do you hear the same echo that I hear? Okay. I guess I'll, I'll just tune that out. Uh, well, thanks again for letting me come and speak to you today. We're really excited um, about the new uh, the website transition from sfdbi.org to sf.gov. Um, next slide, please. You know, the, the goal is really to empower our customers. That's what I think you hear consistently from staff today. That's what you hear from our director. And that's really our North Star. How do we empower our customers to get the services that they need? We believe SFGov is going to make a big difference in furthering that effort. It's a safe, secure, and cost-effective for the city. It meets all the necessary disability access standards. It's designed for mobile devices, including older devices and browsers. There are actual human translations of the, of the required languages, Spanish, Chinese, and Filipino. And the fast-loading pages are actually designed for people who may not live in areas with great data connections. The information is also organized into topics for people not familiar with the city departments. So you can search the website and get your service based on going to a department or by searching for the actual service. And again, this all comes back to empowering the customer. Next slide, please. The website is, our, is the customer's first and main tool for applying for permits, scheduling inspection, tracking a complaint, or requesting a record. We're committed to make it work for them first and foremost. Really, the key, 
The key functions of the website is to create self-service avenues for customers as they begin their permit journeys, to empower them to manage more of the process themselves, and to further the process as far as they can on their own without having to engage staff. We provide clear instructions all the way to submission without live staff guidance, and we're trying to create easy paths for customers to connect with staff when needed. Can we go to the next slide, please? We also want to educate the customers on the process to establish expectations for what will happen next. We oftentimes hear that customers have an expectation that X is going to happen and then Y occurs. We want to align that so people know what they're going to get and when they're going to get it when they walk into the building. Uh, we, want to improve, we believe we'll do that by improving customer transparency to create more certainty and show progress and also inform the customers on what they need to do to secure a permit, uh, schedule a pass and inspection, or access a different service. We also we need to meet legal mandated requirements for website con content. This includes something like the expanded compliance control ordinance, which we're required to include on the website. Next slide, please. Now, to be clear, nothing's going away. We will archive everything that's on the website right now. Uh, we will also redirect our key pages from the dbi.org to sf.gov, so people that are regular customers that have bookmarked these pages aren't going to have to make a big change. It'll automatically take them to where they want to go. Next slide, please. I think they call this our big reveal. Woo. Uh, I want to walk you through a little bit of the customer journey. <clears throat> what you see on the left is the sf.gov main homepage. So if you go searching for a city service, oftentimes the way the, uh, the browsers work now, they'll take you there. You can also search for DBI itself. That'll take you to our main homepage. This again continues to further the concept that you can go to the main city page for a service and find it there, or you can come to DBI and go through our, our page to find that service. Next slide, please. So either direction, if you went to get a building permit, uh, you'd end up at that page on the left. From there, if you wanted an over-the-counter permit, you can see you click right into, into that link. I want to pause here to note that the one page that uh, is, is not undergoing the transition right now is our permit and complaint tracking page, which is going to remain in its current design for the time being. The fact is it was built tw on 20-year-old technology. The technology can neither be layered or changed at this moment. Um, we do, uh, we, there is some technology that we're currently working on in order to be able to make some changes to that page, but that's not quite there yet. So that's the one page that will remain unchanged, but we look forward to making that revisions in the future. Next slide, please. So were you to select going to an OTC, over-the-counter, interior residential remodel, you'd go to this page that lays out, gives you an overview of what the process and what you're going to need to bring. Once you're ready to actually move on to filling out your application form, you'd click in, and the application form is right online. And what's interesting, what's nice here, is that we actually walk you step by step by step through submission and tell you what's going to happen even after you submit, when you expect to hear back from us, or what that might look like. Next slide, please. I'd like to compare the old page versus the new page. On the left, you have our current page for duplication of official building plans. It's a wall of text. There's a lot of jargon. The, the formatting is inconsistent, and it's just not super clear for first-time users. On the right, you have our new page. It's focused on helping the customer get what they want using simple language, clear steps, and with support resources readily available. Next slide, please. 
I want to give you another example of the solar page. Again, the old page was, had unclear direction. It was an unclear process diagram, and it's a page that tells you to immediately get staff support. If you look at the new page, you'll see that it's again focused on helping the customer get what they need, a permit. We use clear language, clear steps, and the goal is to empower the customer to go as far in the process on their own. Next slide, please. So we actually started in July of 2021 with that OTC page. Uh, it was the first page that we rolled out when we brought that service back online. Uh, since then, we've been adding more pages as we've gone along. Um, we expect to launch, do a soft launch later on uh, this month, and then we expect to do the public launch in the very beginning of November of next month. I want to close by thanking our terrific, thoughtful, creative, and patient partners at Digital Services, Becca Otto and Anita Chang. I also want to thank all my colleagues and teammates at DBI who took time out of their already busy schedules to lend their knowledge and expertise to make sure that the information we're putting out to the public is accurate, true, clear, and helpful. It's really been gratifying to see everyone put forth their best efforts in order to serve our public and try to do a different way of doing business. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, I'm seeing none. Commissioner discussion or questions? I've been following along while you were talking on the web, so um, I think that this is really uh, great that it's just I can find things that I would normally look for as an architect, like where's the form, you highlight those. Um, it's very clear graphically, and as an architect, I'm very graphically inclined, so that I appreciate this very, very much. Um, the things are, I, like I'm just, I'm scrolling through it, like I'm looking at a, a like a creating an in-house uh, submittal, looking at like, you know, how you process something in Bluebeam, uh, your application. So it's all like very clear. So I think that the progress in this is amazing from what, you know, I think the, the comparative you had was just, it's just truly night and day. So. Thank you. Kudos to your team, the whole team. Thank it's, you. It's great. I had a question about the archiving. Yeah. What, what does that mean exactly in terms of if you need to access something? Yeah, so what there'll be is the, there's actually a link on the page, and it'll take you back to some of the, the older pages. Oh, okay. And so you'll be able to go in there. And then also we've actually taken, uh, DBI had, I want to say it was 11,000 pages. Uh, but a lot of them actually were meeting agendas, meeting minutes. As you guys know, we have a lot of, of, of public bodies that meet under your umbrella. Um, and they all, they all have associated documents. And so over the last 20 years, they just accumulated. All that's been moved into, a, an office, into an, another server um, per the city's requirements. Um, but you'll still be able to go to that old site and access things if, if there's something there that was particularly useful. But to the president's point, hopefully everything that you need to get the services you want, we've now adjusted. And if there's something that's missing, I hope you or, or any other member of the public will provide that, provide that feedback, and we'll hop to it. Thank you. I just had one question. With the dinosaur page you were talking about, the old technology, did the digital team give you an idea when that would catch up to the times? Yeah, so right now, it, part of it has to do with an upgrade of what's called our Oracle system. 
Um, and when we upgrade it, we're hoping to be able to find some way of, of, of linking or layering on top, but we really won't know what's possible until that technology is implemented. But I assure you that the complaint and permit tracking page is our most popular page, and we're all very focused on how do we make this change, and we have 99% of everything else going except for our most popular feature. Um, so whatever's possible, as soon as it is, we're going to uh, adapt to that. Thank you so much. Um, I have another question about the uh, submittal process. Does an applicant get do, can can do they get notices from the city right now when when their permits being processed or if it's reached a certain station? Is that going to be part of sort of the technology change? Uh, push communications are not part of it. What we do is we we provide that access on the website so people can check it on their own. So they can. It's just, okay. There's too many moving pieces for the yep. thousands and tens of thousands of permits that we do to be able to communicate effectively. One thing we do though is that if you have a program like the Accessible Business Entrance Program, we actually update our technology so you can do fill out your whole form and submit your checklist online, um, which is which was a great uh, uh, innovation for us. Um, but as a result, there is communication that you can do, you know, there. And then, of course, in Bluebeam, you can also do that kind mm -hmm. of online communications. Yeah, so th some of these things that we talk about in the commission are, you know, separated as agenda items. But the things that you're talking about, especially for an applicant to be able to track online where they are in the permit. I mean, to me, the thing that is hard to triangulate in the agenda and in these discussions is that the things that are happening in the reform, um, the things that Deputy Director Neville is pursuing in terms of streamlining or bifurcating that process, and then this website is really sort of the culmination and the visual um, representation of a lot of that stuff that DBI is working on in the background. So I think it's just reminding ourselves that we look at these subject matters as in somewhat isolated um, topics because that's how we have to present an agenda at the commission. But they're really all tied together. Um, and I think we, we all know that, but it's like even for myself, reminding myself that this is what it's about, is that you're trying to have all of these different pieces speak to each other, and this website is the visual aspect of that. that. That's right, that's right. I mean, the one way to think about it is all of our operational improvements in one form or another are happening under that reforms initiative. But the North Star is always how do we serve that customer? And so like if, if you were almost to think of it as a funnel, like to your point, that's a bunch of disparate pieces that are brought together by staff and, and the director and the commission, but they're all, they're all the further that effort of empowering the customer to get what they want, make it easier, faster, simpler. Um, and so we, we can definitely try to help connect those dots. Um, but if you keep that as your North Star, I think you'll see that every, all, all roads lead to that place. Is there a data that DBI, uh, your data person, I believe her name is Megan, can pull from the, is, are, is that, I mean, I'm not a website person or... But can they pull data from this website and track that with other, other things that DBI tracks in terms of data, data sets? Some, some. Uh, PTS is a separate creature than, than the website, separate statistics, separate data. Okay. But one thing that we can see and the website's really helpful on is watching a customer's journey. So for example, if we were to send out a communication or if we had a policy change, we might see a difference in how they interact, not only with the PTS, but actually with the website as they access different information. And similarly, like when we got the Accessible Business Entrance Program restarted earlier this year, or kicked it back up earlier this year, 
We use the website data to really help drive some of our process uh, considerations to make sure, again, that we're making it as easy as possible on the customer. There's one other innovation that we haven't mentioned since we're talking about the complaint tracking system, and that's that every NOV since 1996 for our building division is now online and can be downloaded by the customer. It's a copy. It's not the actual document, um, but the, it looks exactly like the, the, the document. And so for all purposes, if you're somebody who got an NOV or you're purchasing a property that got an NOV in the past, you can now look up your property, find that complaint, download that NOV, and, and, and be able to take action. Um, so to your point, we are looking for places where we can provide extra service, um, as well as making big, kind of larger structural changes, again, to achieve our North Star. Are you gonna do that for a lot of other record keeping that, because that's one area we, ha we don't really talk about is, is sort of the administrative services of DBI, but is there a lot of that that you're gonna be able to access on the web just to make it easier for, because I would presume that would help streamline some of the things that are happening behind the scenes so that if a customer can get to it on their own versus having a person having to do something like that, that seems to be, or having to come to DBI to look at a film or something like that. Well, we, we definitely want to find opportunities to provide more information. Our records management division actually functions very well. They, uh, they provide records quickly, um, they have good processes, they measure their work, they're constantly looking for improvements. Um, and they do a high volume of work, 40,000 or something. It's, it's a pretty high volume of work and every real estate transaction in San Francisco has to go through them to get those three R reports. And so they, they have a pretty good system if we thought that that was something that needed to be you know, more attention brought to. But we also have legal constraints. Building plans, you can view them, but you can't take them because they're trademarked work is a really good example. And so what we want to do is we as always want to find the right balance between providing the transparency and improving our customer service to achieve our North Star while still operating within legal guidelines and allowing for processes that are successful to continue. Okay. D Director Reardon, did you want to add? So I just want to comment that um, there is hardly anything that you would have to go to DBI for to look for on microfilm anymore. Just about everything has been imaged with the exception of some really old records and the ones that are not easily uh, deciphered. So just about everything has been imaged. So um, the microfiche is, is old technology. technology. Okay, good. Use it anymore. I haven't had to go down there, so I don't yeah. know. And, and our records management division actually just upped their own processing technology. You can now email and request records and do these exchanges, and pretty soon they're gonna accept online payments as well. So they're definitely innovating in their processes. Okay. Well, I think this just highlights to me like some of, one, uh, the third leg of DBI are some of the administrative things that at some point we should probably talk about a little bit more just because I think it, it it's it's linked, inextricably linked to all, the, all of these other processes. So that's okay. all my comments, thank you. Thank if you. I may, President Beto, I think this is where a lot of those things come together that we've been discussing. And this is where they're represented in a clear way to the public. So I mean, I applaud Patrick for his efforts with this. This is a really big deal too. Yeah, I presume that these are, the website is sort of a work in progress that you're continually, up, continually updating it. So I think that'd be great for, for your team or yourself to come back with updates when those progress. Sure, happy to do so. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next we have item 11, commissioners questions and matters, 11A, inquiries to staff. At this time, commissioners may make inquiries to staff regarding various documents, policies, 
practices and procedures which are of interest to the commission? I have questions, but I feel like they need to be combined with uh, 11A and 11B just to be efficient. Is that possible? Okay. I'll also um, read agenda item B. Um, future meetings and agendas. At this time, the commission may discuss and take action to set the date of a special meeting and or determine those items that can be placed on the agenda of the next meeting and other future meetings of the Building Inspection Commission. Um, the next uh, regularly scheduled meeting is on November 16th. So I have, uh, what I asked um, Madam Secretary to do is to go back through September 2021 to look at some agenda items that we had um, put on hold and I wanted to raise them, not necessarily to put them in the agenda at the moment, but just to remind the commission we have a number of things that get continued or it's not possible to review them at the time because the, the information just isn't there. Um, uh, one item that, that we discussed early in January 22 is Commissioner Toot talked about um, status of the racial equity plan and some of the goals. So I don't know. Uh, I think that's something that we do yearly. So that's one, one question that I have for, for DBI. Let me just go through my list here. One second. Um, we also had talked about the five-year strategic plan, and I understand that the um, department has issued an RFP for that, but we discussed that back in March of 2022, so that could be a potential agenda item just to get a status on where DBI is on, on that particular issue. On May of 2022, Commissioner Toot asked about a list of permitting issues affecting tenants. I think that's something that we can revisit with Commissioner Toot, or I don't have any status on that, so that I would be interested to know if there's anything that we could um, surface about that, not necessarily for next, next commission meeting. Um, Commissioner Summer, uh, questioned um, an, or asked, requested an update from the Access Appeals. Um, this was postponed um, until there was more material available. So let me keep going. The last one, hold on. Oh, uh, we talked about in July of 2022, the fee study and the Gartner report. So I think the two things at least I'll let other commissioners speak for themselves, but the two that stick out in my mind as things that I would like to prioritize uh, getting a status on on the agenda is the fee study and also the five-year strategic plan. Are you still reviewing the items? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think that's all for my. So I think those are just the two items that I want to uh, propose to be on agenda is the status on the fee study and the status on the five-year strategic plan. Okay. Thank you. Um, any other commissioners well, have any? Uh, we talked about 
uh, Commissioner Tam raised the racial equity. What I'd like to, Madam Secretary, to do is go through that list, and I can forward you the one I highlighted, but uh, talk to the individual commissioners if that's something they want to sort of want to get an update resurface as an agenda item. Commissioner Toot and Commissioner Summer are two that I highlighted, so you're happy. Uh, you're welcome to share the list that I requested, so I can share the the list that I marked up that you sent me. Okay, thank you. And did, did the commissioners that are present have anything to add at this time, or I could we could just discuss it at a later time? Okay, we'll just I'll uh, reach out to you to discuss those items. Yeah, and my, the only point that I wanted to. To, the only reason I requested this is that after we're approaching the end of the year, going through a number of these items, it, you know, I, I guess it's sort of the project manager brain in me. It's like, where, where are we? Like, what are we? How are we tracking all of these questions and issues? So I wanted to get a list of things that we had broached that had been continued that didn't resurface on the agenda because, you know, the information wasn't available or because there were other agenda items that took precedence. So it's just keeping ourselves um, uh, on track on some of the things that you know uh, were a priority nine months ago, a year ago. So if it's no longer a priority for, those fellow, for, for the fellow commissioners that I highlighted, then we don't need to pursue them. Okay, thank you. And I'll reach out to the other commissioners um, regarding that. Um, is there any public comment on agenda item 11A and B? I'm seeing none. Our next item is item 12, review and approval of the minutes of the regular meeting of August 17, 2022. Motion to approve the minutes. Is there a second? Second. So there's a motion and a second. Um, any public comment? Um, seeing none. So are all commissioners in favor of approving the August 17th minutes? Aye. 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 Any opposed? And thank you that the minutes are approved. And our next item is 13, adjournment. Motion to adjourn. Second. So there's a motion and a second. Are all commissioners in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, we are now adjourned. It is 11.33 a.m. Thank you.